Hi, everyone. My name is Shannon Calder, licensed therapist, and I'm joined by Dr. Kathy Barrett, forensic psychologist. We talk about all topics from a psychological perspective. Welcome to Terror Talk. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Terror Talk. This is Shannon and Kathy. Hello. Hello. So today on the show, we are dealing with werewolves. Dealing? Like they're coming in here? Yep. They're already here. They're <laughs> sitting in the extra chairs. We bought some new mics. No. Um, we are going to discuss lycanthropy. We are. <laughs> werewolves today. So how this is going to be sorted out is this first section of the show is we're going to talk about clinical lycanthropy and some history and the clinical psychological perspectives on that. And then the second part of the show will be werewolf movies, which there's some good ones and some bad ones. And and what we like and what we don't like and what we're looking forward to seeing maybe or through this research, what we might want to see, don't know. And then the last section, as always on these episodes, is our what the hell segment. Sound good, Kathy? Sounds fantastic. All right. So clinical lycanthropy. Mm. <laughs> we don't see this. So it's too a much rare. Anymore. So this is a rare psychiatric syndrome. Um, before you go into this, you know, before you yes, go into this, you, was it about a month ago where you did a what the hell with the, the nuns who became cats? Oh, that's right. I forgot about <clears throat> that. So that's in the family. Mm -hmm. That's in the psychiatric family. Shannon, why don't you tell us all about what lycanthropy, <laughs> thropy, thropy is? I know. I want to say thropy because it's just, I don't know. It's like, funner. Lycanthropy? Lycanthropy. Lycanthropy. <laughs> I don't know. I just kind of like it. So it's rare, as she was saying. It involves delusion that an affected person can transform into or has transformed into an animal, basically. Um the reading I was doing is that it's often a cultural, uh, they call it a cultural condition where it's often the animal that represents uh, evil in that culture. Mm -hmm. So obviously in movies, we see a lot of wolfmen. You know. Yeah, and um, I think historically too, there's a, a chemical component um they believe that it was potentially caused by belladonna or nightshade mm -hmm. back in the day. Okay. So people spent a lot of time, I mean, we're talking about centuries, right? So people mm -hmm. spent a lot of time outdoors. Um, and there was one of the theories is that people were being exposed to this plant and this actually triggered this onset. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's a lot of through history, different kinds of theories. I mean, I know that delusion is a piece of this often. Mm -hmm. Psychosis is a piece of this often. And these are, what we're talking about is real instances where clinical lycanthropy, lycanthropy mm -hmm. has been diagnosed basically. Um, or in what I was reading are is times when people have actually been convicted of being serial killers or, mm -hmm. Uh, mass murderers and then there's been an investigation into it and they've been diagnosed with this psychosis mm -hmm. basically um, transforming into an animal and the movies took over the wolfman mm -hmm. theme but my understanding is that psychologically speaking it's culturally whatever animal represents the the evil mm -hmm. in that yeah and there's um so much here. I watched a really good documentary on the History Channel called The Legend of Werewolves. Mm -hmm. And it went into a lot of this stuff. Um, it even went back to ancient Greek history. So King Lycan, I think his name was, is where we get the whole Lycan thing from. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> yeah. Lycan thing. But I don't want to go too far into that. But, the you know, it started with the belief that people could shift from man to beast, how the full moon creates lunacy. These are all like older cultural slash mm -hmm. religious. Mm -hmm. And I don't think a lot of people know, I know you know this, Shannon, but I don't think a lot of people know that werewolves were actually part of the witch phenomena mm -hmm. hysteria. So a thousand, um, over a thousand people were brought to trial 
um, over this. And so this was going on at the same time that witches, you know, the whole thing with witches being burnt, Mm -hmm. the whole werewolf phenomenon was going on at the same time. So the church created this inquisition and it actually made it legal to, um, you know, burn or hang or whatever. Anyone who was unkempt or had a disagreeable manner Mm -hmm. were accused of being a werewolf. And I think this speaks to so much that even happens in current, you know, society. Um, but just, yeah, you, if you were not aligned with whatever the morals of the church were, right. then you were a rebel, you were a beast, you were from Satan, and you clearly had to die. Yeah, it yeah. was like an excuse for them, just like the hanging of witches was an excuse. Well, it was also a gigantic business decision in the in the church, but yeah. we won't go into that. <laughs> Some other episode. Um, but wolves, it, it, the, this wolf man thing, it was like an excuse to demonize, you know, I can imagine homeless people or mm-hmm. people who were not of the cleanliness right. uh, or, level that you would like. Or mentally ill. Or the mentally ill, which mm-hmm. is often um, one and the same in, in our American culture. So, yeah, I, I was reading about a lot of the wolf men from back in the day. People like I was reading about, and maybe you read about some of these too, um, and we're going to we're going to ruin all of the words and all the pronunciations because a lot of these people and a lot of this mythology came from um, France and different countries in Spain. And so I was reading about Giles Garnier, who was a French hermit, Mm -hmm. serial murderer, cannibalist. Uh, He was actually convicted of being a werewolf. Mm. And what, what had happened, he was called the werewolf of Dole and he was a hermit living in France and he got married, which I, I would assume is rare for a hermit. So he had been used to feeding himself and all of that. But all of a sudden he, ha- he there's his wife and he's he's got to feed her, too. And unfortunately, what his solution was is to go into the woods and kill children mm. to eat. So. Huh, what ended up the way it unfolded was that you know dead children and parts of children were starting to be found in the forest and then you know and then he was discovered at one point um eating them or carrying them off in his mouth type of thing mm-hmm. acting like an animal and he was found guilty of crimes of lycanthropy and witchcraft and burned at the stake on january 18th 1574 so that's mm-hmm. you know what you're talking about yeah um i have here thirty thousand people in france accused of werewolves of mm-hmm. being werewolves mm-hmm. all during the 16th century yeah you know to add to that um and this is the psychological piece I think we were talking about is this is the part of the human being that was opposed in society. So that split off, we've talked about the shadow and stuff in here Mm -hmm. before. Um, The werewolf really represented that dark side. So anyone that appeared, whether physically or appeared to be more rebellious or um, non-conforming were accused of this. And I think it's really interesting that, a lot of times we feel like we've come so far in society and the the three things that would force people in the, into confessions. So if we saw defiance, lunacy, or they were disagreeable, they were basically forced to confess that they were a werewolf. We have had episodes on this show that have talked about forced confessions. So we think we've, we've come so far because we're not doing trials outside with stoning anymore, but the, the, the way that we get people to falsely commit or confess to something still exists. Mm -hmm. It's just, it, it just started far longer ago than, than we would have Mm -hmm. imagined. You know, we, we, I think as, at least in America, I think we tend to think of ourselves as, you know, let's think about ourselves and then let's think about ourselves or more as if we are the cultural norm of the world, which we are not right? right. It's like, we're not the cultural center of the world. And, and it's in sort of our Americanism to look at ourselves as like the way I think is mm-hmm. the way people think. And For and sure. I think that sort of speaks to that in that it's thousands of years ago in other countries when America was, you know, not didn't exist where these we carry this ancestral 
trauma, uh, way of going about things uh, in our DNA from mm -hmm. thousands of years ago, and we carry it forward in various ways. I think that's an excellent kind of um, connection because if you think about, so what is a werewolf? In, in our world and in these stories of old, a werewolf is somebody who is driven by the moon, mm -hmm. lacks control over it. Mm -hmm. So we, you know, as we'll get into later with movies, we, we empathize with the werewolf because we feel yes. as if they're a victim. Yes. And so they're a victim. We empathize with them. They're driven by uh, nature. Uh, they're primal and can't control themselves. Mm -hmm. um, they're two-sided, right? Mm -hmm. So there's the, the sort of Superman thing, you know, the Clark mm -hmm. Kent of it all. And then the, and then that's a hero, but this would be a villain. Um, it's there's, an interesting, there are layers. Yeah, there's layers. And I think that if you go back to the forced confession piece too, mm -hmm. the werewolves are sort of the, um, I guess if you look at present day around like the racial profiling or mm -hmm. things that we do, if you look a certain way or you act a certain way, then we're going to force you into this, mm -hmm label but yeah absolutely i think that and we'll get into this when we talk about the movies i've always had a soft side for werewolves for that reason because there is a vulnerability to them despite the aggression and the physical their physical capacity there's something much deeper and in every classic werewolf actually in every werewolf movie that i can think of every good one <laughs> every good one when the werewolf comes out of that you know um uh, the transformation, fr the frenzy, the yeah. frenzy. <laughs> yeah. and you see it, they almost look childlike mm -hmm. in that fetal naked. position, naked, like covered in, covered in sweat, disoriented. Blood, usually, that is so layered. Yeah, and if as as people just relating to that um, on a sort of everyday kind of level, it's like, have you been in a place where You've done something that was unlike yourself. Yes. And you kind of come out of that and you come out of that sort of fog, um, whether that's depression or aggression or all the things in between. And you kind of come out of that and you say, oh, Lord, you know, like the destruction I've wrought. What have I done? Yeah. What have I done? Or what decision have I made that I, I can't take back? Right. Yeah. And, I, and I think that society or the news media, especially with the with everything that's going on with um, gun violence and the government, I think there's a lot of fear mongering that I think, all, first of all, my disclaimer is I know all of this is happening. I'm not saying that these are false stories. Mm -hmm. But what I'm suggesting is we have a lot of people who don't have the right information making a lot of bold statements about um, numbers, you know, so like there are there are actually more i'm trying to put this in a way that makes sense i was i went to lunch with the chief threat assessment officer at usc and we were talking about this because he and i both assess risk for a living and we were saying how the majority of people when push comes to shove actually want to make the right decision there is a very small percentage of people who actually want to be dangerous mm -hmm. so i don't want this to get mixed up with you know, I don't want people going, oh, are you saying that th these things aren't actually happening or people aren't actually violent? That's not what I'm saying at all. But what I'm saying is the human psyche, our capacity to change, to be good, to want good, is actually more than the small percentage of people who are inherently violent. Yeah. This is what I'm saying. And our media yeah. obviously creates a different picture. Right. And, and so that's that's the clarity around that right. is that we, we're seeing the whole, even though we get influenced by our own biases because of the populations that we see, mm -hmm. obviously. Um, we're not, like, I would never say, oh, I'm not biased or, oh, I'm objective because I'm not. But mm -hmm. but I think we see a, a whole a whole fuller picture mm -hmm. than, than, you know, what's presented in the media, obviously. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I was thinking about... Uh, some of you who may have studied psychology or are just interested into in it, you know, Freud's got a book from the old days called The Wolfman. And, you know, Freud read, wrote a lot about case studies. And regardless of what you think about Freud, he's a forefather. And some of the things that we all do in cognitive behavioral therapy or in systems work or in forensic work or whatever were sort of 
the seeds of psychology were were bathed mm -hmm. in that and then of course changed and researched and things changed even even in Freud's writings he he often admits like oh yeah that thing I did two years ago yeah that's garbage or whatever <laughs> <laughs> which if you really read Freud you'd learn that but that's of course not what the layman hears about Freud so I wanted to mention the wolfman because the reason why that book or that that man was um, given the pseudonym by Freud, the Wolfman, um, as a way of being able to write about him and protect his privacy was because he had had a dream about three wolves that came to him a dream. And I won't get into the whole story about that dream, but Freud came to a conclusion, which I thought was interesting in this context, is that he felt as if one of the, the, like part of his analysis was that this dream and his psychology was a result of having witnessed a primal scene mm. in his childhood. And that happened to be um, his parents having uh, doggy style sex, by the way. So I'll just throw that out there uh, or from behind as the, I think Freud says it. But so my point being that the primal piece of this and so the wolfman besides the dream being like kind of his antithesis of what freud was saying to him about having this trauma in early childhood but was this primal thing and so when i think of werewolves i think of our primal instincts and how so much of the time we are unconscious to them don't admit them uh we kind of want to do do primal things in like the haze as a werewolf is mm -hmm. um, the haze of the every, you know, three days of the month or whatever, when it's, it's like, I think there's an interesting conversation to be had about like um, werewolves being victims, but that's how we've decided to portray them in the movies. And that, you know, us as people aren't necessarily victims to our primal urges. Right. And I think that we're all looking for a release um, without having to pay for it <laughs> in a way. So it's like the purge, Fair. right? Mm -hmm. That whole series, the purge. Oh gosh. Um, yeah. But the idea behind, you know, if you give people one night to get it out of their system, that reminds me of the kind of the werewolf phenomena. And then you have, you know, even alcohol, mm -hmm. you yeah. know, I just want to numb out and, and whatever I do, I'm not responsible for like the whole, whatever happens in Vegas stays mm -hmm. in Vegas. We all have that in us at times to just be like, I want to do this without consequence. Understood. I, you know, it's, and there's, I guess there are going to be all kinds of different routes in to it because I was also reading about, um, this other guy, um, Manuel Blanco Romasanto. Hey, I did pretty good. Uh, Spain. It's He's the first documented serial killer in Spain, mm. 1853. So he killed, you know, 13 people. And he, he stated that he suffered from a curse that turned him into a wolf. And um, doctors uh, often at the time gave him as an example of true clinical lycanthropy or lichen thing as we're coining it. Uh, and what's interesting about his case is that he was originally named Manuela and grew up as a, f as a female for the first six years of his life. And at the age of eight, his family legally changed his name um, to Manuel and reassigned his sex. Wow. Yeah, so I mean, there's a obviously a bigger story to that, but it's just I think what we're talking about is how how this is psychological, psychological, right? So that that lycanthropy and and the clinical rare situation can be, you know, killers just trying to get away with stuff back in the day, right? Just having you know an insanity kind of situation to say. It can be um, major depressive disorder with psychosis, um, with you know these powerful delusions. Um, and there was also a thing that was an actual diagnosable situation. So, and, and as Kathy was saying, there was a piece where um, they used it as a way to kill people they didn't want around. Mm -hmm. So, um, Let's see. 
there, one of the things I saw in the history, there were these um, different people who were famous for this rare situation, is that they they often killed children, and I just thought that was an interesting thing. Mm. It's like going back to your well, think about Little Red Riding Hood mm-hmm. and the wolf and the child, mm-hmm. right? There's um, this that actually that story was actually brought up in the the History Channel thing I was watching oh, okay. because I think that's sort of where that whole I don't want to call it a mythology. Yeah, mythology. Sure. Yeah, that's came where from. it all came from. Is the I, I, Red Riding? I think so. I think there's a piece of that because children were always mm-hmm. um, the targeted victim. Not always. We're no, often no, the targeted victims. Yeah. 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 The um the other thing I wanted to bring up is sort of in Jungian psychology the the archetype of the wolf. And yes. so I was kind of talking about that in, a minute ago where it was like so what is a wolf? A wolf man, what is a a werewolf? And these um kind of the pagan references to that. And so and so what is the archetype? The archetype is about reincarnation. Mm-hmm. You know. It's about uh Spiritual energy, you know, energy from the moon, right? Mm-hmm. The moon phases, uh, which is the moon often represents uh, emotion mm-hmm. and um, the vitality of the. And think about werewolves and and how vital they are physically, mm-hmm. strong, robust, primal, directive. Uh, they're not waffling about decisions, that's for sure. Kind of, man- kind of manic, too. yeah, manic, Limitless. impulsive, mm-hmm. you know. But there's so there's there's light and dark qualities there, right? The spirit of that soul, um, and wolves in general, and the archetype of wolves is often a magic, like a gift. Like wolves are very powerful in mm-hmm. in uh, fairy tales, and they're not always the villains. Wolves in Native American spirituality are the spirit world. They're mm-hmm. very uh, sacred, and so yeah. Mm-hmm. Not always demons, not always gods. You nope. know, I think they, some cultures represent them as positive male power, sometimes as positive female power. Um, and then there's this idea of untamed power. So mm-hmm. um, often masculine, right? But a negative, untamed power is a lot of times in mythology what it is, like a wolf in the wild which is often a, represented as a beautiful thing, I think. And I think it's culturally why it, it's typically um, portrayed by a male. Yeah. Because yeah. I think men have been given more freedom to be untamed. Have, to be untamed. Yeah. Right. I think I think that's I think that's really true. Um, I think. Uh, yeah. I wonder how we would and and you know you guys probably know you know, werewolf movies where there werewolf is a female and I'm mm-hmm. just, I just don't know them, but she's always sexual though. She can't just be primal. Well, because <laughs> no, no, because feminine sexuality is primal <laughs> in our movies, right? That's how it's when we're primal, it's, it's, it's sexual. It's not aggressive. Right. Or it's aggressively sexual, I guess. Yeah. yeah that's an interesting distinction. I um I think that we're going to take a break here and we will come back and if there's anything we forgot and we wanted to talk about with psychology we'll we'll weave it into the movies. We're going to talk a little bit about some werewolf movies. So we'll be right back. While we take a break, go follow us on Instagram at Terror Talk Podcast, Twitter at Talk Terror, or on our Facebook page, Halloween All Year Long. If you prefer email, it's terrortalkpodcast at gmail.com. So reach out. If you like us, you can help us by subscribing and leaving a review on iTunes, or check out our Patreon page. We upload new episodes every Wednesday and Friday. Keep coming back, but first, stick around for more of our show. Hey, we're back. This is Shannon and Kathy with Terror Talk. I wanted to not forget to say that last week we did ghosts. So we talked psych about ghosts and then some movies. This week we're doing werewolves and for the rest of the month we're doing zombies, vampires, and then witches in a similar format. Talking about the psych and then 
talking movies and more psych. Uh, I did want to say that for you true crime enthusiasts, do not fear. Um, in the middle of November, we're going to do a four-part series on Richard Kuklinski. We're also going to talk, we're going to have a super special mystery episode on November 6th, which is going to be true crime related. And in there we'll do Dr. Sleep, which is, you know, movie book, et cetera, like we like to do with some Stephen King stuff. And then I know that Kathy wants to do, wants opinions. Yeah, I, I put some feelers out today on our Instagram page. I really want to know, some people have already responded, so thank you. Yeah. Um, and those of you who have liked the post, thank you. But um, I really need you to comment. <laughs> have an opinion. Because she does need the ideas. And if you don't do Instagram, then... You know, send us an email, put the put a thing on Twitter, like whatever. We just want to know which person. You yeah, like. I, I'm I'm trying to decide between Richard Ramirez, who's the Night Stalker, and Dennis Rader, who's the BTK killer. Right. Um, so, yeah, what do you guys prefer listening to for a true crime series this spring? I want to yeah. get started on it. So let us know. It'll be like a Marchy thing. March, 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 thing. Marchy thing. Yeah. We're also developing our January, February, March programming. So if you have thoughts about that or things you would like, this is the time to do it. Um, you know. Oh. I always like <laughs> I always liked your backyard. He kind of goes, here we go. Arr. That sounds like Belle when she gets mad. Yeah. <laughs> And by the way, Belle is one of Kathy's farm animals and no uh, <laughs> dogs and uh, is the smallest animal you'll ever see. So. She's teeny tiny. Yeah. <laughs> so movies, you want to start with like your favorite werewolf movie ever. Let's not bury the lead. Okay. Like just go for it. American Werewolf in London. Me too. Me is too. The best. <laughs> I think it's widely known as the best one. It is the best. So, though. so the funny thing about that is, so American we Werewolf. We did not. We did not we talk did not, about this. Before. No, we don't talk about stuff beforehand, except for like, hey, I'm going to start with this, or hey, I want to talk about that, like real generalities, because we want the conversations to be pretty impromptu. So yeah, no, we didn't talk about. It. You know what's interesting about that movie? So this is directed by John Landis, mm -hmm. 1981. 19 1981 was a werewolf year. 1981 is when, let me look at my little list. The Howling also came out that the original, year. Mm -hmm, the first one. And The Wolfman came out that year. So. Which one? There's been so many. Yeah, the, I think it's the newer one. But. Well, the newest one is 2000 something. Oh, okay. Yeah. Then it's the older one. Yeah. It's the, well, there's a Wolfman that's 1941. Right. So it's not that one. <laughs> well, the one with um, Anthony Hopkins that came out in two thousand blah blah blah. That was supposed to be a. <laughs> it was supposed to be a remake of the original Universal. I liked okay. it. I thought it was good. A lot of people thought it was slow, but I liked. Yeah, it, it got kind of panned, right? Yeah, I liked it. Emily yeah. Blunt. It was a great. Oh, it was Wolfen that came out in oh, nineteen eighty one. Sorry, yes. Wolfen. So those yeah. three movies all came out. And... Oh, look, can we talk about why this is such a good movie? Yes, please. First of all. And I know that I'm beating this to death, but I loved the transformation scene <laughs> and what they actually used to do with makeup. But it's also, mm -hmm. I also really like the story. It's character driven. Mm -hmm. um, it just, it, it, the story is about two American college students backpacking through Britain, Griffin Dunn being a very young Griffin Dunn, mm -hmm. um, when a large wolf attacks them, they stop at this pub. The guys don't, I don't think they tell, because they, they end up leaving the pub and the guys are like, are you going to tell them that there's something out there that they don't know about, whatever? <laughs> and Griffin Griffin Dunn get, just gets eaten alive, right? Yes. Um, and David Naughton gets, is, does he get- Doesn't go well. <laughs> he gets bit or something. Something. And, oh, I don't even know where to start with this. It's just so good. No, it's really good. And I mean, it's John Landis. So if you think about John Landis, John Landis did the Blues Brothers. He did Animal House. Kentucky Fried Movie. Kentucky Fried Movie. So this is all like late 70s, early 80s. He did Trading Places with Eddie Murphy, yeah. which was, of this course, was his huge. Prime. This was like, this is the time. Spies Like Us. Uh, later in the 80s, Coming to America. Oh, that's right. That was his. Innocent Blood, Beverly Hills Cop 3. So comedy, right? Mm -hmm. And I think the one of the... One of the interesting things, one of the many interesting things about it is it's hilarious. Like it is. There's some very hilarious things, but what they do is it's hilarious and 
at least for the time, it was the practical effects. It was frightening. It was. It was. And the scene where he's lying in the the hospital bed and um, there's just so many. And his fr- and Griffin Dunn comes to visit him and he's like half eaten or whatever. Remember? Yeah. There's just. Well, and I think I think the for me, what the biggest bait of this movie and the reason to see it, if you have not, is you you're. Um, you're lulled into the comfort of like the witty, the wittiness of it and the relationships and the wittiness. And then there, and then there's just this like gory, painful, (laughs) traumatic transformations. And it's a guy you care about. So, so that makes it, that makes it different. That makes it different. You're rooting for him. Yeah, Yeah. Well, and like you were saying earlier, you know, he, you really kind of, you know, he's a victim and mm-hmm. you feel bad for him. And then it's a curse. You know, they often call it the wolf's curse. Mm-hmm. So that also obviously plays into the whole thing that, you know, wolfmen um, are uh, victims of this. They've been cursed, basically. Mm-hmm. All right. So I'm trying to think of like, so then there's lots of movies that are also good also good werewolf movies and could be like number twos or whatever. But since we had the same number one, things like the howling, like I thought the howling was mm-hmm. a really good movie. Mm-hmm. Um, there's also uh teen wolf. One of my favorites. So and talk- I know it's cheesy. No, no, I know, but we're talking eighties, right? Mm-hmm. So we're kind of going with an eighties feel. I, I think I know every line of that movie. <laughs> you do? Yeah. <laughs> Scott Howard. I used to watch, I was obsessed with that movie. I, I loved everything Michael J. Fox in the 80s. Oh, that's kind of why you got into it in the first I think place. So, but then, I also loved horror and yes. I loved the makeup and yes. the transformation scene in front of the mirror. I was watching, um, oh my gosh, it was the, it was a show like The Office the other day. It was a rerun of something, but they were playing in the background. Maybe it was an SNL skit. It was an SNL skit. They were playing in the background the transformation music when mm-hmm. Scott's in front of the mirror. Dun, 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 that whole thing. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, I can't believe I know this. Most people <laughs> watching this probably don't even know that this is the transformation music for Teen Wolf. I loved that movie. Yeah. And I, I mean, there was a time when, you know... Michael Fox was the jam. Like, was. He was the Marty jam. Marty McFly. Yeah, he was absolutely the jam. So um, him being cast in that movie was just sort of a... I, I don't know how contemporary people who don't have that association would look at that movie. I mean, I think there's a fascination with the 80s right now. So right now, yeah, maybe, maybe favorable favorably, because that was 1985. But... Um, yeah, I like that. Was it 85? Cuz that's the year yeah. that Back to the Future. He was re- that was a booming year for yeah, him. Yeah, no, that that's why I'm saying like for yeah. us I think there was a cultural context. Of course. Um there always is with movies, by the way, as you guys know. <laughs> There's always like a time and a place in your life who you saw it with, when you saw it, you know, how you were feeling. But that was a different there was a different that maybe this is the cultural component too is there yeah. was a different there was an innocence oh, for that sure. is no longer, if, if Teen Wolf, you know, they made a series, an MTV mm, series, sure which was did. a lot different. <laughs> um, but if we presented the 1985 Teen Wolf mm-hmm. to teens now, it, they'd be laughable. Yeah, that's kind of what I was getting at was yeah. that I think if you, if you're, I think right now, because of the fascination with the 80s, that if you're looking at it as a cultural timepiece, I think you can get a lot out of it you know kids or young people watching it would would enjoy it from that perspective but they wouldn't necessarily if 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 there was no fascination with the 80s and stranger things and teenagers and all of that like i don't know <laughs> i don't right. know it's it's goofy it's it's kind of out to it's kind of crazy he like I, I yeah i won't give it away if you're gonna watch it but there's some things that happen that you're like what if you were describing that to a friend they'd go oh that sounds bad mm-hmm. but <laughs> but but it's it's fun i think it's a lot of fun and for those of you who are a little older i encourage you to revisit it because mm-hmm. it's a heck of a good time um i will mention a movie called ginger snaps i've never seen it so and i know they made like two or three didn't they I've only seen Ginger Snaps, so maybe they did, uh, but I haven't seen it. Uh, he, I haven't seen the other ones. It's a high school werewolf story, kind of like, well, not at all like Teen Wolf, but a high school werewolf story. Um, 
it's two i think it's two sisters and one of the sisters gets infected and the other one isn't it's like emily perkins and Catherine isabel um, so ginger snaps exactly they're both red-haired fyi uh it it's kind of obvious that american werewolf in london influenced it um it's surprisingly effective actually as a horror movie i mean it's got the black comedy in it which i like it's got the teen thing that i like it's got the suburbia feel mm. of those of all of a lot of these 80s when did, movies when did the original come out i thought it was uh, older than the 80s. 2000 oh okay yeah 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 i was gonna say i didn't i thought that was a newer one no no this is yeah this is newer yeah. so um i like that one I also like uh, The Howling I already mentioned. There's one called Dog Soldiers. Yeah, I never saw it. Yeah, I haven't seen that, but I, what I was reading about it was that it was pretty gruesome. But I want to see the suits. You know, you talk we talk about practical effects a lot. Oh, and yeah. And apparently apparently this movie has like the best um wolf uh sort of like full body practical effect ooh. werewolf suits in okay. it. Okay. And I saw a picture. I was like, ooh, that is insane. So, I don't know. I have to say, Underworld. Oh. Loved Underworld. Especially because it's such a battle between the vampires and the lichens. Yeah. Um, that's one of my favorites. Yeah. Yeah, so that incorporates both. I mean, I love that. I liked that movie. I forgot all about it. I wasn't thinking of it as... And then, yeah, there's the third one, right? That's Underworld Rise of the Lichens. Yeah, I just, I, I've seen the first two. I haven't seen the third one. So but, apparently um, that's on the list. I like what <laughs> they do with the lichens in that movie. It's just different than how they usually. Like how they characterize I them? I guess so, or, yeah. Like it's, what would you say is um, different? I, I think sometimes the, I don't let's see if I can articulate this. I'm well, trying to see if I can articulate this. Oh, that's it. That's perfect. <laughs> That's exactly what I wanted to say. Helping you out there. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Um, I think they make werewolves in most of these movies completely primal. And mm, yeah, yeah, there's, yeah. They're, they have no senses and the vampires are like the high IQ. And I feel like in Underworld, the werewolves are really, they're much more profound mm -hmm. and indestructible. And there's still this primal side to them, but I feel mm. like they're more deliberate and they're not as like impulsive and crazy and lunatic. There's just more, I don't know. It's not like what we were talking about before that sort of the mythology of the werewolf as being untamed and primal and impulsive and manic and not yeah. in control. Yeah. There is a humanity. Yes. Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. yeah. And I, I think that's probably one of the reasons why I like uh, Silver Bullet mm. from 1985. Oh, I love Silver Bullet, which is Stephen King, because you know yeah. I'm always I'm like a Corey Haman in a wheelchair. <laughs> I know, he was right? Like Eleven or twelve, like in that. what more could you ask for? Um, yeah, so I'm always going to mention the Stephen King one. Mm -hmm. uh, I think that this one does, you know, uh, not all Stephen. The best, let's put it this way: the best Stephen King adaptations are consistent with that sort of nostalgic warmth mm -hmm. that we get from a lot of his movies is sort of like philosophical and warm and fuzzy and all of that. They make you feel. So there's that blend of elements. So this, like there's the coming of age quality to it, mm -hmm. which, which we like. And then there's the blood and guts, old fashioned werewolf situation happening. And he's, he's kind of a unique protagonist, right? Corey. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I haven't seen that one in a very long time. I was going to rewatch it, but I didn't have time. Yeah. Yeah. No. And I mean, Gary, it's a great Gary one. Busey's in it. Yeah. It's a great one. So, mm -hmm. you know, <laughs> <laughs> Gary Busey, joy, rapture, teeth, um, lots of teeth. <laughs> right. Uh, so, I mean, there's old ones, too. There's, like, The Wolfman from 1941. There's Frankenstein meets The Wolfman, 1943, Kathy. Kathy likes the Universal Monsters. I do. Um, do you remember Wolf that came out with Michelle Pfeiffer? And One of Jack my Nicholson? top fives, actually. And I don't, I haven't watched it in a really long time, so I don't really know what how good of a movie it actually is. It's, it's like a solid seven. But I enjoyed it. Yeah. <laughs> Back in the day is what I remember. Mm -hmm. You enjoyed, you liked it? I did, but I remember it getting, like, just meh reviews. Oh, yeah. It was not, I mean, you know, Michelle Pfeiffer and... 
Jack Nicholson, and it just—I I don't think it was the kind of movie that people wanted to see no, from them. It, from it, them, it wasn't. And I remember when it came out; it was the '90s. I think I was working at a movie theater when it came oh, out. Oh, really? And it was—I remember catching pieces of it and watching it. A lot of people found it to be very slow. This is when Michelle Pfeiffer was in like her heyday. Mm-hmm. So, like you said, I think people were like, "What is this?" Yeah, they just—it was a—it was a strange choice. For them, and I mean, I love James Spader. He's oh, I in love it. Love James Spader. You know, he's in it. There, there's like a really cool werewolf battle <laughs> in that movie. I have to rewatch this one. Yeah, I think I will too. Maybe when we have a movie night, we can. Yeah. <laughs> we can choose that one put because, it on the list. yeah, put it on the list because they're. Um, I don't know. And if you look at the still photos of Jack Nicholson as like the werewolf, I don't know. He looks really cool. Yeah, so. he does. It's sort of, I want to check it out. So it was 1994 though. So pretty old at this point, but like there was, I was a teenage werewolf from 1957. Mm-hmm. There was all these um, older ones, I guess. <sighs> what else? Have there been, have there been TV shows about werewolves? Well, and then we have like the whole Twilight series. Oh yeah. Talk about that. that a little bit. New have you Moon, watched all those? Yeah, yeah, I've seen all them. Mm-hmm. And I've read all the books. Oh, um, tell us about it a little. No, I mean it it that those movies tap more into the the Native American mm-hmm. piece. They do, especially so, that one character. Yeah. So it so I think it's um those wolves are portrayed with much more impulse control. Even though the, oh for sure everybody all of is. That is there, but it, it's much more about the protective component, the spiritual component. So it's not as much of like a horror. Well, they introduced werewolf. the idea that any kind of beast—vampires, werewolves, etc.—can turn it off and turn it on. <laughs> right. <laughs> Which I think is a uniquely contemporary thought process with that. Because what they wanted to do is they wanted to give people light and dark, you know, shadow and humanity. They mm-hmm. want to, it's more psychological. Let's put it that way. I think in contemporary movies and TV, we want to, um, it's just like the anti-hero, you know, the the cop that, you know, is destructive and criminal and how there's that fine line between light and dark and we as a society love to see that and as psychology peeps we love to we actually really live in that in between because i i think kathy would agree with me i'm very aware on a daily basis how close we all are and how we are on that balancing act Mm -hmm. all the time in our own psyches. And so that gets represented in these movies. And so the Twilight series is a great example because these characters love and laugh and have a lot of emotion and also indulge, you know, get taken, get uh, carried away with, Mm -hmm. with their, their wolfness or their vampireness. Um, yeah, and then there was the Teen Wolf MTV series, but I, I can't, I'm trying to think off the top of my head. I don't, I, there are plenty of vampire series. Yeah, the werewolf series you're talking about, I think it was in like the late 80s, right? And no, no, was, no. It's oh. much more recent. Oh, oh, oh. Yeah. Hmm. yeah. I don't know that one. Uh, let's see. I'll look it up. Yeah, I don't know that one. I, I think it's 2000s, early. Um, yeah. I was thinking of um, Van Helsing. <laughs> oh, that was a... I liked Van Helsing. Yeah. Yeah. That had a werewolf. Yep. Had a werewolf and with a sinister... Oh, and there's this other movie I was thinking of. It's called... Two thousand. Sorry, 2011 yeah. was the first episode of this series. Okay. Yeah. Because there's a werewolf series from the 80s, too. Okay. Um, but, you know, whatever. Whatever that was. I think it was called Werewolf. So, you know, on the nose. Uh, and there's this other movie called Wolf Cop. Have you seen this movie? No. <laughs> no. Yeah, I, I know. It sounds like a pile of poo, but um, it's a, I mean, it's a solid five. <laughs> the Company of Wolves. That's another one. The, so I was looking through this before we started. Oh, yes, today. I see. Ginger Snaps Back is called. <laughs> Ginger Snaps Back. <laughs> that's amazing. In 2004. There, there's a lot of uh, werewolves get busy. Okay, because here's a few. <laughs> they do werewolves in a girl's dormitory. Mm. 
2003. In 2006, the, that same werewolf made it into a woman's prison, werewolf in a woman's prison, werewolf in Bangkok, werewolf of Lin- London, werewolf of Washington. <laughs> They're everywhere. <laughs> the worst horror movie ever made. Apparently there's a werewolf in that. Tomb of the werewolf. Sweet. There are a lot of them. Yeah, wolf cop being... I'd like to see a werewolf in a girl's dormitory. See what that was. Has, has that not been done? Can we can we make that happen? I mean... We can probably find it. People out there, can it's we? It's 2003. It's not that old. Oh, no. They did a sequel to Wolf Cop. Another Wolf Cop oh. in 2017. Like, newish. Oh, man. Sort of newish. There's some really bad ones here. Yeah, well, now we're looking at these massive lists of... Okay, so the fact that I can go to a werewolf site, this is ilovewerewolves.com, oh. and I can watch the full-length movie of Werewolf in a Girl's Dormitory oh. on this shoddy-ass little player that probably doesn't even... So all you did was Google Werewolf in a Dormitory, and you got what you asked for. I went to the link, and it took me to the site that I, I feel could like, actually watch it. I feel like that's 2019. <laughs> You know, there was werewolves in Trick or Treat, too, didn't one? Yes. Long ago, we talked about Trick or Treat, the movie. Um, there was werewolves in that, too. There are wolves everywhere. <laughs> everywhere we turn, there's wolves. Uh, have you mentioned the movies that you wanted to mention? Yes. <laughs> yes, why I yes, have. Why, yes, she says she has. Those are my werewolf movies. Those are my werewolf thoughts. And that's our well werewolf chiming werewolf. Oh boy. I'm going to stop now. So we're going to take a break and we're going to come back and do our what the hell segment. So stick with us. Hi everyone. We're back. This is Shannon, Kathy, Shannon, Shannon, Kathy. (laughs) This is Shannon and Kathy with terror talk. And we're going to do our, what the hell segment. Kathy's going to go first because hers is a quickie. It's real quick. Okay. So quick that it's over. This guy drove away. Oh, 4 PM on Saturday. Just imagine this being your house. Okay. Strange car pulls up on the driveway. Driver gets out, takes off his shirt, takes a poop on the driveway. (laughs) After doing that, he gets back in his car, but he leaves the shirt and the turd on the concrete. (laughs) All of this was captured on this guy's ring doorbell. The sheriff's office is now trying to identify the pooper. (laughs) So if you all know who the pooper... Chris, what city are we talking about here? It says North Lauderdale. It's probably fucking Florida again. You guys are crazy. (laughs) Love you. Love you, Florida. Don't poop on the driveway. Good Lord. <laughs> I love that. Still at large. We are providing a service. <laughs> All right. So mine is uh, this. And I feel as if we've talked about this one before, or there's a lot of people doing this. And it's okay either way. Because Hopefully it's not pooping on the driveway. Nope. Okay. I did not. Sometimes Kathy and I do that, where we choose things that are insanely similar. However, I chose it because it happened... Halloween 2017, because I thought it's October. So 19-year-old man sidles up to a hot dog stand. Proprietors who are manning their stand are oblivious to the danger of the criminal mastermind who stands before him, before them. The, <laughs> the hot dog lover, <laughs> I love the way they write these things too, um, allegedly uh, Tarion Ponzi, it's all funny the whole thing is funny brandishes a firearm and demands Mm. uh, yeah mm -hmm. and demands that the helpless employees empty the cash register little did they know that the holdup's epic denouement would culminate in the suspect inadvertently shooting his own penis Mm -hmm. right so this happened in the south side of chicago halloween 2017 got the money rather carelessly holstered his weapon uh, the gun discharged. Uh, <laughs> they call him a dim-witted thief. I'm always talking about thieves. I don't know. Uh, attempted to leave. Uh, his wound was gushing blood as he fled. He um, he had he, in that in all of that in the melee. He had a tussle with the hot dog vendors, but he did manage to escape. So shortly after that, um, somebody called nine one one. 
uh, told them about the shot that they'd heard. They certainly didn't know that he'd shot himself and found him incapacitated, slumped in the doorway of like a nearby residential property. And he had gunshot wounds to his genitals and leg. So I don't know if that was one shot or multiple, but. (laughs) Wow. Uh, Yeah. So he was arrested on suspicion of armed robbery. And then there was footage, of course, of him shooting himself and exposing himself in the process. What was left, I suppose. (laughs) So here's the funny thing. The pattern of the boxers that he was wearing was was shown on was like the match to the bloodstained boxer pieces that they found at the scene (laughs) so that's how they like a puzzle you know this was part of the case i guess uh, that Um, matches the crotch area yeah what's what's interesting is they also mentioned that a similar incident had taken place at a convenience store in indiana um where somebody named derek Kosh or Kosh uh, almost neutered himself in the village pantry store. <laughs> he uh, <laughs> he barged into the store, grabbed a coworker's hair, and demanded money and cigarettes. I guess he worked there or something. Um, the female clerk, unfortunately, uh, set to work getting his money and cigarettes. The man holstered his semi-automatic weapon, ladies and gentlemen, in his waistband, and then inadvertently pulled the trigger, discharging the gun and pumping his scrotum of multiple wow because of the semi-automatic good luck putting that back together um the guy escaped uh his own grandmother called 911 after learning of the injuries and he was taken to the hospital and subsequently charged and then of course the article says something about you know they both won the darwin award type of (laughs) situation so a little bit of story (sighs) about genitals so that's our what the hell Yes. Uh, what is next week? Oh, so Friday we'll have the Shrink Chat show up, and that's always a good discussion, we think, anyway, about our our work and what we're watching, et cetera, and whatever else comes up. It's a little bit looser, and we're a little bit goofier. Uh, but next week on the Terror Talk show will be zombies, so we'll get into the psychology of zombies and then movies and TV shows, et cetera. And then after that's vampires and witches and on we go. Excellent. Yes. Excellent. So thank you so much for listening. This is terror talk. My name is Shannon and I'm Kathy sleep safe, everyone. We hope you enjoyed this episode of terror talk. If you enjoyed this show, there are two things you could do for us subscribing and sharing our episodes on social media, as well as writing a review on iTunes. Plus you could check out our Patreon page. Don't hesitate to contact us on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook. We upload new episodes of Terror Talk every Wednesday and of Shrink Chat every Friday. Until then, goodbye and have a pleasant tomorrow.